This is EdTech Weekly. I'm your host, Ricky Zager, and this is episode 74. In tonight's show, it's just going to be me. Christy is off on assignment, and she's going to have a special report that we'll play on our next episode. So it is me on my own, so we'll just do the news of the week tonight. Um, it's been a while for me. Uh, when I, back when I did this show with Matt, for those of you who are longtime listeners, you know that it happened a little bit more often. But since we've had Christy, we haven't had to do solo shows all too often. I will remind you guys that we are still running our contest. You just give us an iTunes rating. Uh, send out a link on Twitter. I will send out a link on Twitter. But just literally contact us and we'll give you a chance to get something. But we would like you to rate the show. So again, follow me on Twitter at Fortech Teachers, and I will put that out. Well, we begin, as we always do, whether it's me or me and Christy, or me, Christy, and any other guests, with the EdTech News Rundown. In our first story, CampusTechnology.com gives us six broad trends it sees emerging for the future of EdTech. A new report from the Center for Innovative Research in Cyber Learning has undertaken the ambitious project of sifting through what those researchers are exploring to uncover the major trends and help us understand where education, pre-K through 12 and post-secondary, may be headed over the next decade or two. Now, these six broad themes, after the analysis of the research that they did, came out to be community mapping, which is the use of mobile um, and other tools in order to kind of get the immediate neighborhood figured out. Expressive construction, which is using technology to create and share um, and creating to learn as well. And then classrooms as digital performance spaces. And that's basically converting the typical classroom into a room where physical learning experiences take place. The fourth one is virtual peers and coaches, avatars and other forms of artificial intelligence that interact with students and provide a natural, welcoming learning environment. As We talked about some of those things coming up on the show as well. The fifth one, remote scientific labs, which are students controlling remote scientific equipment, which is pretty cool. If you don't have the money to be able to actually purchase that equipment, you can actually uh, operate it remotely. And then finally, enhancing collaboration learning through touchscreen interfaces. And this talks about the expansion and use of multi-touch interfaces on tabletop, tablet, and mobile devices. Uh, you know, I think the enhancing of collaboration is great uh, overall, and a lot of those things are good, but I think when we just focus on touchscreens, I'm not really sure that touchscreens are the innovation here. I mean, I guess we'll have to see how that bears out. But the collaboration is good, and I guess if, if these touchscreen interfaces actually do make collaboration easier or better or more efficient or effective, then I'm on board. But other than that, not so much. All right, our next story is from EdTech Magazine, and they tell us that higher ed is starting to get smart by using text and Snapchat for recruiting. Like it or not, the younger generation does the majority of their communication through social media and messaging apps. And so why shouldn't higher ed take advantage of this? Because the advertising is essentially free. And besides that nice upside, the trend will continue to go towards students using mobile more and more to interact with higher ed. And it's already reported that 35% of students fill out college applications on mobile devices. I'm going to assume that they mean tablets uh, as well in that number, but that's still a pretty high percentage. And if colleges wish to compete, they're definitely going to need to meet students where they are. And they're definitely on Snapchat. Now, I'm a little too old for Snapchat. I tried. I just It's just not my thing. 
but certainly being on top of social media is going to be something that's good for higher ed. So definitely check that article out as well. Our next story from employmentscreeningresources.com. And it's a report that the FTC or Federal Trade Commission and the DOE or Department of Education are going to be co-hosting a workshop on student privacy and ed tech on December 1st. According to this post, the FTC and ed workshop or DOE workshop is a free and open to the public and it's going to be held at the Constitution Center in Washington, D.C. if you happen to be there. It'll also be webcast live on the FTC website. FERPA laws are going to be talked about, and there are some questions that are listed on this website that are intended to promote some discussions. Um, To see the questions and get involved, just go to edtechweeklyshow.com. I'll put the link to this article there, or go directly to the FTC website as they're going to be streaming it there as well. I, I hesitate with the effectiveness of these big government things, but... I will definitely tune in and check it out and uh, report back to you guys after the event to save you the time and headache if you really don't want to do that. But if you're interested, again, check out edtechweeklyshow.com for the link or just go to FTC website and you can see it there as well. And finally, EdTech Magazine reports that STEM education is still a priority even with the new administration, including our new president and the new head of the DOE. Now put all of your opinions and beliefs aside here. The main part of this article really talks about that White House and tech companies are pledging $500 million to STEM education. Public and private sectors appear to have a unified goal here to make STEM education a priority. And certainly with all the cyber attacks and other hacking in the news, it would seem to be important to make sure that the brightest minds are getting into STEM. Uh, And hope let's hope they end up joining the uh, good guys. I mean, whatever that means. But, you know, we we talk about this a lot, and there's going to be a deficit um, in the amount of jobs needed and the amount of people needed in the STEM um, careers. And, you know, we've talked about this so much, and, and I think it's something that it's good to see money going towards it. Let's just hope it's being used effectively, and let's, not hope it's, let's hope it's not being pulled from other important areas of education is sometimes the case when people are pledging money. Where does it come from? And we know businesses have a direct goal here. They need qualified people so that they can, you know, continue to grow and make more money. So we know why they're investing money. So let's just hope it's done correctly and that we have a lot of good options for people to get into STEM. All right. Well, that's the end of the show, essentially, because those are the uh, the news or that is the news for the week. Please email the show, especially if you want to get involved in our new segment called EdTech Going Down in Your Town. We're going to have a new one of those coming up in a couple of weeks with one of Christie's contacts. So please email the show, edtechweekly at gmail.com, and that'll get you in touch with us. Also hit up the subreddit at edtechweekly.reddit.com. We've had some more people joining that and also some people joining in in discussions there. So please go ahead and do that. And please, please, please give us a review on iTunes. Again, follow me at 4TechTeachers. I'll tweet out the link again so that you guys can give that review. Um, you know, we want to hear how, how you feel about the show, number one. But then also, it gives us the opportunity to reach more people and uh, more like-minded ed techies such as ourselves. We just love ed tech and like talking about it and learning about it. Don't forget Christy M. Morin, at Christy M. Morin, if you want to follow her on Twitter as well. And uh, we will see you guys next week. And Chrissy will be back next week on EdTech Weekly.